0: Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. God bless you. Jess is not in today. I want everyone to be praying for his health. He needs to recover from some medical issues that he's dealing with, and uh, he will not be at the men's conference. Johnny Romero, his good brother, will be taking his place for the conference this weekend. And I'll tell you, when I first met both of those guys, what, 25 years ago, <laughs> I had sent both of them out doing evangelization at parishes, and they were the dynamic duel. So uh, I think you'll be happy to see Johnny there. Also, we're going to be covering a topic that might take me two two days to cover. It's understanding Pope Francis and really understanding where he's coming from. And I just say it's all about moral theology, you know. And we'll talk about that because uh, it'll it'll shed some light in how we can be praying for him to confirm us in our faith. Also, I just wanted to mention Uh, There's a record high of Americans, 50% of Americans rate the U.S.'s moral values as poor. And 78% think the moral values in the U.S. are getting worse. This is a great time to evangelize them with the gospel. And uh, I'm not talking about uh, global warming. I'm talking about the good news of Jesus Christ saving souls. People know they're hurting. This is the time to really proclaim it. So we're also going to have a segment at the end with Church Militant. Uh, James Futua will be here with us to talk about what's happening in the media and the news for the faith. Also, I wanted to uh, have a segment, and this is going to take a little bit, from Bishop Athanasius Snyder. I'm going to talk about his new book, The Springtime That Never Came. He'll be on the Terry and Jesse show on the 30th of this month from Kazakhstan to talk about just that and much, much more. But before we get to all that, if Jess was here, I'd say, Jess, Give me some soul food. This is the gospel from Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 to 6, 16 to 18. Straightforward gospel. I don't really think you need to have an explanation. He, the gospel explains it. Jesus said to his disciples, Take care not to perform righteous deeds in order that people may see them. Otherwise, you will have no recompense from your heavenly Father. When you give alms, do not blow a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, and in the streets to win praise of others. Amen. I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that you can, so that your almsgiving may be in secret. Except to your father who is hidden, and your father who sees what is hidden will repay you. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to give any comment. It's a commentary. It's all there. All right. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, and one of his good buddies, G.K. Chesterton, is with him. And this is just a comment he said about. He was responding to Lennon. Lennon said that, and he and Bishop Sheen are having this conversation on the plane, on the uh, train. Lennon said, religion is the opium of the people. Remember that? Everybody heard that. But here's what Chesterton has to say. But it is only by believing in God that we can ever criticize the government. Once abolish God, and the government becomes God. Wow. <clears throat> the fact is written all over across human history but it is written most plainly across the recent history of Russia, which was created by Lenin. Lenin only fell into a slight error. He only got it wrong way around. The truth is that irreligion is the opium of the people. So whoever the people do not, whenever, as Chesterton said, people do not believe in something beyond this world, they will worship the world. And that's exactly what's happened. All right, I've got a few minutes here in this segment I want to talk about before we get into Pope Francis. I wanted to give you a really beautiful answer from Bishop Snyder in his book, Springtime That Never Came. And yes, we're ordering those books to have them ready for you. The end of the month, Bishop Snyder will be on. The question is, why are so few bishops speaking out when it comes to homosexuality or And here's what Bishop Strickland, excuse me, Bishop Athanasius Schneider says. He says, for sure it would be better if more bishops were speaking out on these issues of homosexuality. There's no doubt that they can see what is happening. After all, we now are living in a global world where through the Internet, everyone is interconnected. There are various reasons for this silence. This is straightforward. I love what he says. Some bishops agree with these heretical claims and practices. Unfortunately, you're right. For example, inviting the LGBT activists into the cathedral in Vienna in Austria. I remember that. So that they can propagate the ideology there in the form of heretical practices. Bishop Schneider says other bishops who oppose this ideology assume that it does not affect them directly. Oh, coward. Sorry, he didn't say that. I said it. They're not my diocese, not my business. They are saying, leave me alone. Yes, some bishops are saying that. Then some other bishops are simply frightened. They're afraid. They think that if we were to speak out, they would immediately be seen as a traditionalist or some kind of fanatic. They are concerned about their image. Nothing new under the sun, absolutely correct. They would like to be perceived as moderate, open, and ready for dialogue. He says there are also those who remain silent for tactical reasons. I've met those people like that because they want to make a career of being a bishop. Wrong reason. They know that if they stand firm against such heretical statements, they cannot hope to be promoted in the church. Who's being promoted in the church right now? Heretical bishops, yep. Finally, we must not forget those who, although they themselves would like to disagree, are afraid that they will be reprimanded by the Vatican, the nuncio, or their own bishops' conference. I know bishops that have had that happen to them, yep. They still speak out. As you can see, we're talking about a whole range of possible motivations to explain the bishop's silence. I'm reading this to you because everybody asks me the same question. Where are our bishops? Only a few have plucked up the courage to speak out clearly on this issue, like Bishop Snyder, Bishop Joseph Strickland, and others. Indeed, there are really only a few. That's sad. He says, keeping silent is much easier. And it's also easy to justify it. For example, some say, I'm only an auxiliary bishop or I'm very far away or making excuses really. I'm responsible for my diocese and not for others. God wanted me to put be put here and not anywhere else. This is the Pope's business, not mine. Bishop Snyder says, frankly speaking, I think such explanations are just cheap excuses. I, I will go another step. I'll say they're cowards. Ultimately, we are not... A secular company or a society, nor are we a government in which ministers can say that he has his own domain and cannot interfere with others, what others are doing. No, here it he comes. We are not a corporation, Snyder says. We are not a government. We are a living family. All of us, all of us all over the world are one Catholic family. We are one body, as St. Paul, I love this biblical teaching says, if one member of the body suffers, all others will suffer with it. That is why I can't say that I don't care. Yeah. Obviously, I can pray. I can do reparation, do penance for my sins committed by bad shepherds. We tell people that's what we can do, folks. But the way I see it, a bishop must do more. Wow. By his ordination, check this out. Every bishop becomes a member of the Worldwide College of Bishops and a successor of the Apostle. As the Constitution Lumen Gentium from Vatican II says, every bishop should feel responsible for the good of the whole church. Can I repeat that to the bishops? Right from Vatican II. Every bishop should feel responsible for the good of the whole church, even if his jurisdiction is limited to his diocese. He must feel a solitude for the whole church. He must also help the whole church. He must make his contribution. In other words, he can't be silent. Now, I'm going to continue on with this after the break. But this is Bishop Athanasius Schneider's answer to the question, why so few bishops are speaking out. And wait till you hear the second part of this letter. I mean, it gave me inspiration. As a matter of fact, I was down at the bishops' conference, and I was giving copies of this answer to the bishops to try and correct their conscience yes that's what I do I'm I'm a thorn in somebody's side but you know what (laughs) I believe that's what God's calling me to do we come back here on the Terry and Jesse show we'll continue with the answer from Bishop Athanasius Snyder stay with us family
1: welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse.
0: Welcome back. Jesse's under the weather and he's sick, so you need to pray for his health. Hopefully he'll be back next week. And I've been reading from a book called A Springtime That Never Came by Bishop Athanasius Snyder. We're going to have him on on the 30th of June to talk about that book and much, much more. And he's asking, answering the question that many of us have had in our question, in our mind, why are so few bishops speaking up for the truth, especially when it comes to the issue of homosexuality? And uh, so here's what he said in the last paragraph or two. He says, so with this in mind, the considerations I mentioned earlier represent a cheap excuse. In other words, <clears throat> there's no good excuse to not speak up. He said, if I remained silent, I would have been... Abel, he said, if I, remain, uh, oh, hang on a second. if I remain silent, I would not have been able to handle the voice of my conscience. You know what? That's, that's gold right there. He, he says, I can't meet God knowing that I need to proclaim the gospel in its fullness. He said, I could not stand before God. How could I say, I know that the German bishops are doing uh, what they're doing, but I don't care. That's basically what you're saying when you're silent. In my opinion, it's far away, and it should suffice that I pray for them. I don't believe that God would accept such an explanation from me. That is why I'm speaking out. Well, thank you, Bishop Snyder. I am speaking out because I am. Uh, I'm trying to be a good, a good Catholic bishop for the whole church, since the current pope is not fulfilling his role. In this regard, and keeping silent, the bishops must come to his assistance. I've been saying that for a long time, Bishop Schneider. I agree with that. Come to the Pope's assistance and do what is needed in his stead. Yep, we need more bishops to speak up. He said, this is exactly the form of collegiology that the Second Vatican Council so strongly emphasized. When we are speaking about uh, the collegiality, It's not about the relationship between an employer and a boss. It doesn't mean that the employer has to do what the boss says. Check this out, folks. That is how officials and employees work for companies can behave. But here, but with the Pope, check this out. Here's a strong statement. But the Pope is not the boss and the bishops are not his employees. We are a college. We are bound to each other in truth. Yep. The Episcopate is a living body. This is the point of the collegiality. If the head is showing weakness and failing to perform the task entrusted to him, then other members of the body must come to his aid. Okay? We come to his help and we defend the faith. Well, I hope a lot of bishops read that. The Pope should be grateful for this, even if at the moment he's not showing a gratitude to the bishops who are doing what we should be doing. Even if today we cannot see this, or perhaps he is even angry and would like to punish such bishops. Oh yeah, certainly when he stands before the judicial throne of God, after all, this will be the case with everyone. Yeah, everybody's judge, Pope and everyone down below, including Pope Francis. He will be grateful for the fact, he will be. I believe you, Bishop Snyder. That he will be grateful for the fact that some bishops spoke in him in his stead. I am absolutely convinced of this. Bishop Schneider says, At the judgment of God will show him this. He will point to those bishops whose actions, the fact that they spoke when he should have spoken, will help him at the judgment and thus will intercede for him. Yeah, we're interceding by praying for the Pope to confirm us in our faith. Let me share an anecdote, Bishop Snyder says with you. A few years ago in 2015, after the synod on the family in Rome, the final report was drafted. It contained highly ambiguous and dangerous statements and theories. First of all, a very vague theories on marriage, openness, and understanding for unions of same-sex couples. That's why I decided to criticize it. That's a good reason to criticize it, Bishop. Let me emphasize that at that point, the document didn't come from the Pope, but from my fellow bishops. I posted my article online, and as usual, various readers started to commend, co- commenting on it. One of them wrote, yes, I agree with your this analysis, Bishop Schneider, but let me ask, how will the Vatican punish him for this? to which the next person commenting responded at the following, Well, Bishop Schneider is already in Kazakhstan in the middle of nowhere. I find that to be amusing. The book really has questions and answers, but I like the way Bishop Schneider answers questions on the faith, especially when it comes to the questions on the issue of homosexuality. I also wanted to mention something before I get into... um, the understanding Pope Francis and it's a moral theology question. I wanted to remind you, this is good news, couple good news. The bishop, because I, I like good news. I mean, I want to be positive. The Bishop of Arlington, Virginia, calls President Biden to repent. What? Thank you, Bishop. You see, there's an example of him saying, wait, I have a, an obligation to say you need to repent. Bishop Michael Bergbergs of the Diocese of Arlington Others, Northern Virginia and borders Washington, D.C., spoke candidly about President Biden. And I think it's beautiful that he has a sense of wanting to save his soul by telling him to repent, use biblical language. Another bishop up in California, <laughs> and here it is, F- Bishop Michael Barber. Hey, I wish I was related to this guy because of what he said. I I agree totally, but I'm not. He blasts Cardinal-elect M- M- McElroy in San Diego for thinking abortion not wrong enough to discuss. Let me just say exactly what he said and you take the picture because this is, to me, when you hear what I just read about Bishop speaking up, there's two bishops who just did what Bishop Snyder's asking him to do. He said he criticized the, the um, cardinal-designate Robert McElroy of San Diego for thinking that abortion is not wrong enough to take action on it, including by correlating so-called Catholic politicians for supporting the practice. Did you like what he just said? Killing unborn babies is not worth talking about. What What is there? I mean, defense of human life? This accusation comes in the wake of Pope Francis naming McElroy a Cardinal before a special assembly of the United States Catholic Conference of Bishops, which I was at on Monday. They're meeting all week long. Now, Barber... To Bishop Barber, not me, but I would agree with B- Bishop Michael Barber, and he's a Jesuit. He boy, he's a believing Jesuit. He he made these comments to the Wall Street Journal, uh, while discussing San Francisco's Archbishop Cordileone decision to bar Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi from Holy Communion. And I love when a bishop just teaches what this is. What I get every Tuesday. I'm the Bishop Strickland. Hour. He says Barber says the Catholic Church teaches the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity. Of Christ. According to Bishop Barber, McElroy thinks abortion is not wrong enough that you need to do anything about it or interact with the politicians who are publicly promoting it. Barber, the bishop, also noted that McElroy has discussed other political issues publicly, such as immigration. McElroy's spokesman responded to Barber's comments, maintaining that he does not discuss abortion. Well, I'd hate to be at his exit interview. Why didn't you stand up for the unborn bishop or cardinal? Wow. Barber, the bishop, further noted that Cordelion was a prophetic uh, and said that the difference between the two bishops point to two forces in the church right now. Man, is he calling it for what it is? With Cordelion representing a party more closely aligned with the approaches of St. John Paul II second, and Pope Emeritus Benedict the Sixteenth. McElroy representing Pope Francis. And this guy, Barber, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets fired. Now, Barber was quick to defend Cordeleon's decision to bar Pelosi from communion. Retweeting the day that Cordeleon released the document. He said, I support him. Yeah. He says, heroic and compassionate stance he took to protect the defense of human life. Now, Bishop Barber out in Oakland, not related to me, but I sure wish he was, I'd love to have lunch with him. Barber also defended the church teachings on homosexuality. In April 2014, Bishop Barber removed an openly homosexual priest from a parish on the campus of UC Berkeley. Are you kidding me? This is the kind of bishop we need. Those young people at UC Berkeley now understand that this is not what we Catholics believe in. He also spoke out against the proposed California law that would have penalized priests for breaking the seal of confession and offense punished by at adic- adic- excommunication in the church. Now, I just want to remind you, in contrast to Bishop Barber and McElroy has publicly celebrated this guy, Elroy, the guy that's going to be a Cardinal in August, LGBT masses voiced support for dissident priest Father James Martin, uh, the Jesuit, a priest known for encouraging changes to Catholic teachings, and on homosexuality, accuses critics of of Martin homophobia. McElroy also has downplayed abortion, criticizing the UCCB Voter's Guide in 2015 and 19, saying that making abortion a preeminent priority is at least disordinate from what Pope's teaching, if not inconsistent, and is a grave disservice to our people. Wow, this guy's going to be a cardinal? And if we're trying to communicate with them what the magisterium says, this is so bad, but you know what? We need to pray for his conversion. McElroy also downplayed the gravity of contraception. Are you ready for this? This is the guy that's going to be made a cardinal. He downgraded the gravity of contraception, saying in February 2020, a talk given at the University of San Diego, that it is far greater moral evil for our country to abandon the Paris Climate Accord than to provide contraceptives in federal health centers. Are you kidding me? He also criticized borrowing pro-abortion politicians from communion, claiming that denying pro-abortion Catholic politicians from communion would be an instrumentation, uh, inment, excuse me, instrumentalization of the Eucharist for a political end, which he maintains must not happen. Now Pope Francis announced early this month that yeah he'll be the next cardinal. That's where I'm going to be going in the next segment. Talking why, why would you do that? Because the Catechism of the Catholic Church is very clear. Paragraph 2271 says that uh, that since the first century the Church has always affirmed the moral evil of every procured abortion. This teaching has not changed and remains unchangeable. Bishop and cardinals, wow. The Catechism further states, Basing itself on sacred scripture, which presents homosexual acts as acts of grave depravity and tradition, have always declared, are you ready, folks? Bishop, Cardinal, listen. Homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. They are contrary to the natural law. Now, Bishop Barber made these marks just before the June meeting that they're having in San Diego. I wish I could have run into him to shake his hand because... This is what unifies us here in our Catholic faith—the truth of the gospel. And I'm going to take a quick break again, and we'll come right back to understanding Pope Francis and much more. And then we've got Church Militant coming on. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. We're too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And my guardian angel says, "If we were here, we'd." God bless my guardian angel for being with me, because I'm not alone. We'll be back. Stay with
1: us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888 526 2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse.
0: Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jesse is under the weather, he has bad health right now, so keep him in your prayers. You know, when I'm talking about these issues of the day, Even people overall know that uh, we're in trouble with our morals right now, and I think it's a lot to do with the old axiom, where is the church going, where its leaders take them. A record 50% of Americans rate U.S. moral values as poor. 78% think that moral values in this are getting worse. This isn't the time to compromise everybody. This is the time to to hunker down with the truth of the gospel and spread it. All right, I won't get to all of this topic till tomorrow, but understanding Pope Francis really is it's the moral theology, okay? Remember good philosophy breeds good theology, and so this is an article that I got from the National Catholic Register, Pope Francis giving his weekly audience here october thirteenth two thousand twenty one uh, he says in nineteen ninety two I should say he did this is the article in nineteen ninety two many of us remember in America in the midst of a recession. The candidate for, uh, for the president was Bill Clinton, had a simple message. It's the economy. I thought it was Clinton or Bush that said that, but okay. Paraphrasing it a bit, I would say something similar with regard to the enigma of Pope Francis. It's moral theology, stupid. What? That's what he said. And I say this, that he is an enigma because the common narrative with regard to him seems that he's a liberal. I think that's a fair thing. And yet he has not given the liberal wing of the church any of their cherished goals. He has not ended mandatory celibacy, ordaining women to the priesthood or the diaconate, changed the church teachings on human sexuality, opened Eucharistic reception to Protestants as a matter of official canon law, or even granted carte blanche permission, now I say carte blanche, for divorce and civil remarriage to receive communion. And yet, something serious does seem afoot. And that, with the papacy, that difference markedly with his predecessors, and that is, I think, a revolutionary change in moral theology. Yes, it is. He's not confirming us in our faith. He says, in the author from the National Catholic Register, he said, I claim that Pope Francis seems favorably disposed to a form of moral theology that has been commonly referred to proportionalism. Okay? And that's exactly what Jess and I have been saying for years, at the very least, I think Pope Francis sees proportionalism a kind of corrective counterweight to what he considers to be an overemphasis in the Church on natural law, moral reasoning, with the central focus on certain moral objects as intrinsically evil. Then, didn't like that use. Well, that's what the Church says. Proportionately denies that there's intrinsically evil acts and that the morality of an act can only be judged in light of the outcome or consequences. Catholic proportionalists do not deny that there are indeed fundamental moral principles, which is how it differs from a straight-up, unvarnished utilitarianism, but that in the light of the rational um, adjudication of potentially likely outcomes, a moral principle can be denied as an applicable and particular instance if there is proportionate reasoning for it. So here it comes. This is where he uh, teaches in Morris Letitia and all these other documents. This form of moral theology was very influential in the post-consicular area and gained further strength among those who were dissenters of Humanae Vitae. Yeah, that's what they used to dissent from the Fisher teachings, that, that proportionalism. Those of us who lived through those debates, know well how divisive they were. And let's be be honest, certain moral theologians who defended the church's traditional natural law, people like Janet Smith, Jermaine Grizz says, and paid a heavy professional price for that. Yeah, if you didn't support those teachings, you were poo-pooed. And um, he says, in what is my evidence that Pope, Francis favors proportionalism, even though he never explicitly said it? Well, he said it here. He said, back in 2017, he stated that proportionalist moral theologian Bernard Herring was a pragmatic model for how moral theology should be renewed in light of Vatican II. That sentence says it all for Pope Francis. This is the same Bernard Herring, who descended from humanitatis Vitae and also Veritatis Splendor back in 1988, The Splendor of the Truth from St. John Paul II on key moral issues that went well beyond the contraception issue. Why would Pope Francis go out of his way to point to Herring, a heretic really, as a model for moral theology, knowing full well that Herring had strongly descended, descended from the teachings of Paul VI and John Paul II? See, this is questions we're asking and i think it's legitimate to ask these questions he said in my opinion the reason is quite clear pope francis even if he disagrees with herring's dissent i don't know if he does favors the moral theological model that herring represents this guy's being very gentle to the pope i mean because we can't we don't know for sure but we do know he's blessing people like this look at san diego the only other option is to claim that Pope Francis was ignorant of what Herring really represented, which I think is, is, uh, is uh, not being real, which I highly find unlikely. I think it's not possible. Indeed, not to put too fine a point on it, of all the moral theologians Pope Francis could have held up as models, are you kidding me? He chose a proportionalist instead? I think that's ex- significant. And I think it means something. It really does. Here's, here's the modern line on this. Second, Pope Francis seems to embrace a form of moral reasoning closely allied with proportionalism. They say, and this is really important, they say that in the concrete circumstances of life, circumstances which are often complex, difficult, and messy, a person's ability to live the objective moral law might be so limited that he... Or she may indeed be inculpable for any moral guilt and may in fact be doing what God's will for them in his or her concrete existence, despite what the objective moral norm teaching. In other words, the moral principle in question is affirmed, but it may be set aside certain complex cases which present us with proportionate reasoning for doing so. This is different from uh, inculpable ignorance. Of the principle in question, since the principle is known and affirmed, but in just set aside for this for this instant, let me just put it down to practical levels. Someone who's committing adultery says, "Well, you know what? Um, you got to remember, I I haven't. I'm I'm getting old. I'm you know I'm uh, I, I've got work struggles with me right now, and, and this is just you know very difficult for me to deal with my wife right now. And I needed to go have another woman. Come on, give me a break." It's excuses. That's all it is. And what that does is it gives us lay people an opportunity not to be faithful. That's what Amoris Letitia did. Uh, The uh, idea that uh, when you're married that there's a possibility that you can be with another woman and still be doing God's will. No way. And that's just undermining the perennial teachings of the church. So what do we do? We pray for the Pope. Like I said on on a on a national radio show last, no, yeah, TV show. Uh, I said, no, we need to pray for the Pope because he's not giving us those perennial teachings. So the article says this, that circumstances as limited in mitigating, we can then affirm with a sure conscience that we are in fact doing God's will, despite the violation of the principle in question. For example, here it comes, Amoris Letitia, chapter eight, this is the big one, Pope Francis makes the following statement. Now, check this out, folks, because we're going to continue tomorrow on this. Yet conscience can do more than recognize that a given situation does not correspond objectively to the overall demands of the gospel. It can also recognize with sincerity and honesty what, for now, is the most generous response <clears throat> which we can give to God and come to see with certain moral security that it is what God himself is asking amid. The concrete complexities of one's limits, while yet not fully, not fully the objective ideal. See, here's what that says. Unfortunately, and this is really sad. You know, ideally it would be good that I stay with my wife for 50 years, or however until I'm on life. But you know what? <clears throat> There's exceptions. You know, things are tough sometimes, and I understand. So why don't you? Why don't you just you know deal with it and and embrace it? No, it's an excuse for sin. I'll just be honest with you. That's what that is. That's why I believe right now that the Catholic Church has this fullness of truth that we need to not compromise right now with the world. And that's what's happening. The world is going, oh yeah, that makes sense. Go ahead and do it. But Holy Father, we really need you for, for out there to tell us the perennial teachings of the Church. Please don't compromise with worldly views of life. And this is why I'm going to continue tomorrow on more of this question about understanding Pope Francis, and it's all about moral theology. I'm also going to cover six points of division in the Sodatal process, showing that throughout history, other churches have tried this process, and they've all failed big time. So we're going to cover that for the next segment because I'm going to have James Futua from Church Militant coming on in our last segment, but I hope you understand that it's painful for me to have to criticize the Pope, but I'm criticizing him with the perennial teachings of the Church. And as Bishop Snyder said, that we're doing the Pope a favor, pointing out his, his uh, errors that he's putting out as the vigor of Christ and how he needs to confirm us in our faith and not give us reasons to water down the faith. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. I want to remind you to pray for Jess Romero. His health is gone south. He's uh, recovering. He's doing much better, but we want him back in the saddle here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. The the, uh, seminar or the uh, men's retreat that's coming up that will be this Saturday. Uh, You're welcome to come. Johnny Romero's filling in. All the content will be the same as Jesse because Jesse's giving him his reports. Also, Friday night, we have our benefit dinner. I would love to have you guys come at 6 p.m. Just call 877-526-215 and register online at vmpr.org. And again, this is the Terry and Jesse show. We're actually just two guys that have PhDs in common sense. But you know what? Common sense ain't that common, is it, out there? When we come back, James Budawa from Church Militant will be with us. Stay with us, family, for more information on the faith.
1: Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse.
0: Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. James is here with Church Militant. James, I love when you're there, brother. I love your smile. I like your enthusiasm. What's going on over at Church Militant, brother?
2: You know, we're actually celebrating a little uh, anniversary of ours today, so I'll, I'll get into that later but uh yeah we're all eating cake and joking around and having a blast so it's it's pretty awesome well i'm
0: excited you know what you're i'm gonna throw you a curveball i've been just asked by your organization to come in august to speak at one of your events and i'm happy to do that to talk about evangelization you know i was just pointing out james at record high 50 percent of americas americans realize that the moral values in a country are going south and are bad matter of fact. That's what they say they're bad, but 78% think that the moral values are getting worse. That's why church militant, VNPR, we need to be proclaiming the gospel loudly right now. But tell us, James, what's going on with tonight's news? What are your topics?
2: So I want to bring up a story from Germany. Uh, You said kind of in our country morals are going downhill but certainly in Germany oh, that yeah. is exactly the same if not even even more so especially within the church they've got the uh yep. the de or the synodal way that they're doing right now and a uh, theologian who was uh, working in the synodal way actually left um, a, like a main portion of of the of the uh, of the synodal way because they weren't really listening to her which is I thought was kind of ironic because you know, the whole point of the synodal way that they're, they're, they're putting out is, oh, we want to listen to people. We want to go to the margins. We want to hear what everyone has to say. But they're not listening to this theologian, this faithful theologian, who's trying to uphold church teaching on homosexuality and all this stuff. Uh, so she had to leave because they weren't doing what they said they were going to do.
0: James, I have to say, after 43 years of being in evangelization, I have been kicked out of so many meetings at churches because of that very thing. I had the orthodox position, and they didn't want to hear it. And, you know, I see that going on all my life, and so I'm not, I'm not surprised. What else do you have going on, James?
2: Well, uh, a little bit more of a good good story here. Like we it. got um, Eucharistic processions going around uh, in California. We got San Francisco, which, of course, is uh, Archbishop Ah uh, he's an absolute rock star over there uh, <laughs> in uh, in Sacramento. Bishop Soto, yep, uh, and a bunch of others are are holding these Good. Eucharistic processions, uh, sort of just bringing a uh, much-needed light to California. Uh, we actually, I remember, we did a story yesterday on California wants to become a sanctuary yes. for uh, child mutilation, these like gender uh, reassignment surgeries. On top of that, they're also the abortion sanctuary of the nation, so double whammy right there. So thank goodness these bishops are leading the flock and uh, trying to bring Christ to that truly fallen state.
0: (laughs) James, you guys have some great material on the Eucharist. I remember watching years ago Michael Voris. He had a whole series on the Eucharist. I would encourage people to listen to that because we need to be grounded in our faith in the Eucharist because... You know, like the Second Vatican Council says, it's the source and summit of the Christian life. If we don't get the Eucharist right, we get nothing right.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the our premium content is, is stellar. I've watched a lot of it myself. I can't watch all of it yet because it's just so much. But, you know, 10 bucks a month for a premium membership, you get exactly. all of that stuff. And it's, it's really great educational and, uh, you know, form your uh, spiritual life, I think, a lot.
0: James, the third topic, I, I don't remember 10 years ago. It seems like it was just yesterday, but my years go by fast. Uh, it's You guys officially took the name Church Militant. Give us, for those who don't know the whole background, kind of give us a summary of you know the years that you've got. You know, I, mean, I know you came recently, but let's get a summary. What's so significant about 10 years ago?
2: Yeah, so uh, we were originally a real Catholic TV, and— um, the, the bishop Archbishop uh, Vigneron uh, told us that you know he was it was wrong for us to include Catholic in our title mm-hmm. uh, so we had to take that down and, and then Church militant was born and you know on, on set tonight we'll actually have the uh, the man himself who started it all Michael Voris he'll be on uh, giving us the rundown of what happened Good. with that all the details and exactly how that went down so I won't give it away here no, but. No. Uh, yeah, that, that was, that's basically the the summation of it right there is, uh, yeah, we had real Catholic TV and we couldn't, pr- as, you know, uh, proclaim ourselves right. as Catholic any longer because the bishop didn't like well,
0: it. Well, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Years ago, Cardinal Mahoney did that to me. Um, we're called the Catholic Resource Center and wrote me a letter. And we were in St. Joseph Communications. And I don't want I've never publicly told people the story, but I'll just briefly tell you. When the letter came from Cardinal Mahoney saying that I needed um, to turn everything over to his diocese at the time, we were uh, quite powerful uh, arm in the Church of Evangelization. Mm -hmm. I ended up getting a canon lawyer. Father Benedict Rochelle helped me out on that. And um, when we wrote back to Cardinal Mahoney through my attorney and said, "Uh, Mr. Barber would be happy to acquiesce to any request. Uh, Could you tell me what canon you're referring to? And, of course, they didn't. That was just a threat to me. Now, that's publicly saying, but that's how mean some of these guys in the church can be to us lay people. But I, I think that what we need to do is with have respect for their office, but we also have to tell them the truth. And sometimes we got to tell them to back off because they don't have that truth and they're just trying to bully us. And I think that what Church Militant has done today now is made the uh, point where uh, some of these bishops— are like scared of church militant. I mean, honestly, they're like, oh, don't, don't get them out. To, they're gonna tell. Yeah, you know why? Because some of these bishops are doing wrong things. It's like a kid, you know, he wants, he gets caught, putting his hand in the cookie jar, and when that's what you're <laughs> doing right now. I know it's not a exact analogy, but you're catching these bishops doing things they shouldn't be doing, and they're saying cool. you can't do that. Well, I say expose them for what they are. Ask them to repent. I've heard Michael say, "Repent of what you're doing, Bishop. You're yeah. wrong. You're 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 leading souls to hell." Now that takes guts, and that's what church militant does. Your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, as you said, Terry, we we started this way, and it sounds like you started the same way. We were just trying to evangelize and bring the authentic Catholic faith to people who haven't heard of it before, or maybe left. That's all we started doing, and then that is what we got you know, on the, on the bishops bad list for it's not because we're exposing their corruption. We didn't start off doing that. It started off just trying to, like you said, evangelize society. And that's what they uh, came cracking down on us for. So (laughs) what do you do at that point?
0: I would just say, James, keep doing what you're doing. And again, is there anything else that uh, maybe our listeners can help again, make a little uh, $10 a month. What is the, what are the benefits for that premium
2: well, our, our sort of flagship show, the One True Faith, awesome show. I've seen um, many of those episodes. I haven't watched the whole thing yet, but um, it is a. It's just sort of Michael Voris just going through uh, different aspects of the Catholic faith, mm-hmm. angels. Uh, he touches on everything, um, but it's not just that show. It's 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 thousands almost of, of, of other shows, catechesis, apologetics uh, that'll really uh, you know up your knowledge of Catholic teaching, and I think absolutely strengthen your spiritual life and draw you closer uh, to God.
0: Awesome. James, I want to thank you for coming on here at the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin most powerful radio. We consider uh, you as a partner when it comes to sharing the gospel. And I thank you for your commitment once a week to come on our show.
2: Absolutely. No problem. Thank you, Terry.
0: God love you folks. I just have to end the show saying, I hope I can meet some of you this weekend at the men's conference conference. Here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. Jesse Romero is in the hospital. He will be out next week. Uh, Keep him in your prayers. His brother Johnny Romero will be giving the three talks that Jess was going to give. And I will also share something from Fulton Sheen at this marriage, at this men's conference on marriage from his book, Three to Get Married. But I also want to make a pitch to all of the listeners. Fulton Sheen did a priest retreat at what we were talking with Church Militant about the problems in the church. I have given away thousands of these priest retreats by Bishop Sheen called Cora Cora, which is Heart to Heart. And you can get it free by going to our website vmpr.org, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And I want you just to download it and give it to your parish priest and say Father, I just thought Bishop Sheen might help you in your priesthood. And not only your parish priest, folks, I want you to listen to that priest retreat. It was 40 years ago when I listened to it. And it rocked my boat. Why? Because Fulton Sheen talks so beautifully about the priesthood, the Eucharist, Our Lady. And I think he is an answer to the problems in the church. So here at VMPR, we're giving it away. Yes, it's like that mattress. It's free. No, we want to give this absolutely free. You don't have to give a penny. It's like a 50 or $60 set in some stores. But we have the rights to it, and we're giving it away. Go to vmpr.org. I see that James is still with us. James, if you were Jesse, I'd say James, uh what state should we be living in? Brother, you'd say the state of grace, right? Absolutely. Not Michigan, not California. And how do we Definitely
2: say- not California. Exactly.
0: <laughs> no, this is uh this is um you know, this is uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and we're here fighting the good fight. I've got people in our our chapel right now praying for the church right now on their knees before the blessed sacrament. And uh, people are welcome to come anytime here. Throughout the pandemic, we never closed our doors. And we will never close the doors, whether the state tells us to do it or not. Because, well, it's because it's the right thing to do. That's all. And I want to remind everybody that uh, here at VMPR, we appreciate all your support in making it happen. Uh, the event that We have a dinner for our benefactors. I know many of you can't come because you're far away. Uh, But I would enjoy, I would ask you to uh, seriously consider coming if you're local, 6 p.m. dinner. We are going to be feeding you there. We're going to be praying with the uh, rosary before the Blessed Sacrament with you, and we'd enjoy having you. So what I want to just ask all of you is keep us in your prayers. Keep Jesse in your prayers for his health. We need a man like Jess Romero to proclaim the faith, and I want to ask you to say some prayers, maybe a rosary or offer a Mass up for his uh, health. If it be God's will, but if it's not, you know, St. Maximilian Colby. we, Jess and I talk about this. St. Maximilian Colby said there's three stages of life. There's your stage of your formation, giving good solid material to know the, mean, know the meaning and purpose of life. Then your apostolate, your married man, priest, whatever, brother, nun, whatever God calls you to. And then suffering. Well, most of us have that third stage of life. And Jesse's were offering up his suffering for the salvation of souls. So he might be doing more work in that hospital than the work on the radio. As a matter of fact, I think he is. You know? So keep that in prayer. And again, thanks for all your support. If you'd like to become a monthly donor, we give all kinds of literature and downloads out for free. You can go to vmpr.org to get all that. And uh, up next, Matt Arnold uh, will coming be coming on on our network. If you want to get a, a, our app, Go to vmpr.org. It's free. You can listen to our shows, podcasts, anywhere in the world. Go to vmpr.org. Download the free app on your smartphone. And may God richly bless you. And I'm hoping tomorrow to continue on understanding Pope Francis and talking about moral theology because it really helps us understand and why we should be praying for the Pope every day and for all of our leaders in our church. May God richly bless you and your family.